Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at montrosechurch.org. Have a great day. Montrose Church, how are you? So good to be with you. I'm going to move that back just in case we start moving around a little bit up here. So you doing okay? Excited? Energized? Great worship. Thank you, team. And Rivers in the Wilderness, our new series. This is the second week, and Pastor Dave is not here, as you can see. Um, Him and Cindy and Pastor Scott and Beth and others are on their way to Israel right now. So we're thinking and praying for them. It's going to be a great trip. You can actually check Pastor Dave's Facebook throughout the week, and he's going to give us some updates if you kind of want to see what's going on there. And he does a great job explaining everything, and he knows all that stuff, and so it's really cool. So if you want to see that stuff, his Facebook, check that out. But it'll be fun to, to, to see what they're doing, but I'm excited to be here preaching part two of our series. This is our Lent series, and the word Lent means to lengthen. So basically, Lent is this time as we journey to the cross and the resurrection, 40 days, not counting Sundays, and it's a time of formation, transformation, refining, sharpening. And wilderness shows up throughout the Bible over 300 times in different ways. Sometimes it's a desert place, sometimes it's a forest area, it's an isolation, it's physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, And just like us, the seasons of wilderness in Scripture look very different for each person. And so we're going to be continuing to talk about wilderness today. Pastor Dave preached about, uh, excuse me, Abraham, yes, in the wilderness last week. Talked about promises, if you remember that. And we're going to be talking about Moses this morning. Um, The main verse for this series is Isaiah 43 through 19. Behold, I am doing a new thing, now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So that's kind of the main verse for this entire series. This morning's sermon is titled, Encounter in the Wilderness. Encounter in the Wilderness. And I need to begin with this question. Do you like to hike? We have some hikers in here? Okay. Um, I'm not a big hiker. I don't love to hike, all right, and I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, all right, I don't, I don't love to hike. I have done quite a bit of hiking, right, I grew up in Colorado and my family, we would go hiking a lot, we would, and my wife Shaylee loves to hike, and so I'll, I go hiking, I do, and uh, we'll go around this area, you know, there's some great hiking trails that are close, and so we'll hike, but about three years ago, I was with all my family, we were in Colorado, and Shaylee was there, and, and we had a full Saturday, and we were talking about, what should we do on this Saturday? What, what should we do? And my sister is like, let's go for a big hike. Let's go for, let's just take the whole day and go for a big hike. And she had this hike in mind. It was called the Chicago Lakes Trail. And it's a, it's a hike that starts at 10,000 feet. You go up to 13,000 feet and come back down. It's about 12 miles round trip. It's a big hike. And everybody's excited, and I'm just like, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> Great, yeah. So we're on our way uh, to the trail, and first you go to this little town in, in the mountains of Colorado called Idaho Springs. 
From there, you go to Echo Lake, which is the start of the Chicago Lakes Trail. So we're on our way there, in the car, everybody's excited, and we get there, everybody's unloading their stuff, getting the drinks and the snacks and the backpacks ready to go, and I'm just sitting over on the side on a little rock, <laughs> contemplating how can I get out of this, right? <laughs> Questioning and all these kind of things. Maybe I can sit in the car, but it's going to be so long, I don't really want to do that, right? Negative thoughts. And so everybody kind of starts to take off on the trail, and my sister sees me just continuing to sit on this rock, not moving. She comes back and she says, Cole, let's go. Let's go. I'm like, I don't know if I want to, all this kind of stuff. She's like, come on, let's go. It'll be hard, but we're going to see something amazing. We're going to find something amazing. And my sister was right. It was a difficult hike, and there was snow in the you know, summer of Colorado because we were so high up, and so that made kind of a difficult trail. But it was fun, and she was right about the view at the top. There was these two little lakes, right? And at 13,000 feet, the view is spectacular. It's breathtaking. I don't know if you've ever been to the mountains in Colorado, but it's pretty amazing. And I wanted to start with that little story this morning because I think that's how wilderness works in our lives. Sometimes we don't want to take the journey. It's hard, it's difficult, but what will we find? I think we'll find something amazing. And my prayer is that we encounter a God who loves us and reminds us of his presence. So just like my sister, I want to encourage all of us, let's go. Let's go. Into the wilderness, let's lean in to this Lent series. Let's go. The text for this morning is Exodus 3, 1 through 16. Um, if you have your Bible, um, you get extra points. Just kidding, you don't, but... If you don't, though, it's okay, because we're going to have it on the screen here. Exodus 3, 1 through 16. You've uh, maybe heard this story before. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There an angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have, indeed, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hevites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, right, here's Moses, who, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. 
Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. Verse 16, go assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt. So that's where, uh, that's the text that we'll dive into this morning. You might have heard this story. Uh, if you've seen the Prince of Egypt, you've definitely seen this story. I love the, I love the Prince of Egypt. Moses is out in the wilderness and he, he's a Hebrew boy who grew up in the palace after his mom saved him by putting him in a little basket and floating him down the Nile River. Pharaoh's daughter finds him, and he grows up in wealth and power. But there's this moment later on where he sees in his, an Israelite being beaten by an Egyptian slave driver, and something in his heart snaps, twists. So he goes over to that scene, the Egyptian, and ends up killing him. And Pharaoh hears about this, and he's angered, and he's going to punish Moses and kill Moses. So Moses flees. He goes out into the wilderness. And so a lot of time has gone by, but this is where we find Moses in the wilderness as a shepherd. Has a family now, and is a quiet life. And he sees a weird, one day he sees a weird little tree, shrub, little bush that's on fire, but it's not consuming itself. I immediately think of those little birthday candles that you blow out and they, won't, they come right back. It's like, they come right back. I can't remember what those are called, but they're like the little infinity birthday candles, you know. I think of that. So he goes over and he hears God's voice speak to him, Moses, Moses, and he encounters God. And he encounters a God who hasn't forgotten about his people in bondage. Point number one for us, church, we need an encounter. We need an encounter. Whether you find yourself in the wilderness as we go out by our own power, by our own will, or the situations and circumstances in our life have brought us to the wilderness, we need an encounter. We want and desire an encounter with God. Our world needs God. You agree with that? Our world needs God. Sometimes I'll watch the news to kind of Stay up to date on what's going on. And after a while, I'm like, i got to turn this off. I'm, just, I'm getting depressed. There's no shortage of brokenness in our world. And I'll watch some of the Ukraine and Russia news, right, and just all the war and the, and the violence and the killing and even civilians and the innocent, right, the vulnerable getting caught in the midst of all this. And I find myself saying, God, we need you. We need you. Make this right. In these last two years, all kinds of injustice, disease, COVID, brokenness. And even locally, church, recently, we've done a couple funerals the last couple weeks, just brokenness, right? We need God. We need to encounter God. We need peace. We need healing. We need love. We need purpose. We need to encounter God, and he's waiting. He's waiting. And just like Moses, the encounter changes everything. Ann Voskamp says this about encountering God. The way to counter all of the madness is to encounter God's goodness. 
The way to counter all of this heartache is to encounter the heart of God. The way to counter the fury of the world burning down is to get down on your knees and light your own heart on fire with his presence. We need an encounter in the wilderness, in the struggles, in the questioning, in the brokenness. We need an encounter. Moses had no idea what he was getting into by walking over to that burning bush. No idea. It's like, Moses, are you sure you want to go over there? You have a good little life right now in the wilderness. Are you sure? It's going to be hard. There's going to be ups and downs. And you're going to liberate thousands of people, but are you sure? The encounter changes everything for Moses. And the encounter, church, changes everything for us. That's why we want it. We want to be better. We want to be better spouses. We want to be better friends. We want to be better workers at whatever our job is. We want to be better friends. We want to be better Jesus followers. So we want an encounter with God. Because when we encounter God, we are reminded that it is possible. It is possible. It's as if God is saying to Moses, Moses, you have no idea what we're going to do together. We're going to turn water into blood, and there's going to be a bunch of frogs and insects and all kinds of other plagues. And, and we're going to bring tons of people out of bondage and captivity, and then you're going to walk through the Red Sea on dry land. And it's going to be probably the most famous story in all of Scripture besides the cross and the resurrection. And it will have ripple effects throughout the entire world. Moses, are you ready? And Moses gives excuses, right? I don't blame him. Gives excuses. But he goes, he goes. We need an encounter. And just like this story and Jesus in the wilderness and other wilderness stories, uh, my prayer for us, church, is that wilderness is a launching pad for us. Sometimes we think wilderness is the end. No, it's the beginning. For Moses, he, he was kind of an older guy at this time when he encounters God at the burning bush. But he's just getting started. And my prayer for all of us is that we realize this. This can be a launching pad for us. So where are we at? Are you ready for God to use you in unexpected and amazing ways? Because he wants to. Are we going to make some excuses? Have some doubts? Question a little bit? Yeah, we might. And that's okay. But let's go. Point number two, take off your sandals and surrender. Exodus 3.5, do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. When Moses encounters God, he's shocked. But he's not, he doesn't run away afraid. It's pretty amazing. He walks towards the burning bush, hears his voice, and he says, here I am. Here I am. And God immediately says to him, hey, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals. This is holy ground. Leah Martin explains that Moses was unprepared but shows his surrender and submission to God with taking his sandals off. It was a symbol of respect just as all people would take off their sandals before they would enter a home. Removing his shoes signifies a forfeiting of comfort and a willingness to surrender his past, his present, and his future. Church, we must surrender in the wilderness. It's natural to want to fight in the wilderness, right? In the seasons of life that are hard, it's natural to get the fists ready and the shields and the walls, but that's not where transformation happens. We have to surrender. We must take off our sandals, take off our masks, take off our facades of strength, take off our pride, take off thinking we know everything. 
And we have to put these down and surrender because God wants to transform us, but he can't transform us with our walls and shields up. We have to surrender. Voskamp writes this about wilderness. God takes us into the wilderness not to abandon us, but to be alone with us. So we need to put some things down so we can be alone with God in the wilderness. Moses takes off his sandals. It's holy ground, and he has no idea what's going to happen, but he surrenders his past, his present, and his future. And church, we have to do the same. It's as if God is saying to Moses, hey, I know your past. I know what you've done. I know your present. I know where you are in the wilderness shepherding. I know what's going on. But do you know, do you understand what we're going to do together? It's going to be amazing. It's going to be incredible, but you have to surrender, and he does. We have to surrender our past, the good, the bad, the ugly church. Whatever you think disqualifies you from serving God, throw it down, throw it off, because no one is too far gone to serve God and be on mission for Jesus. No one is too far gone for that. Surrender is difficult. We want control, right? We are just people who want control. Especially in the wilderness, we start to grip things tighter, not looser, but the, the challenge is to let some things go. There's no transformation without surrender. Take off your sandals. So what do we need to surrender? What do you need to surrender in this season? Some of us gave some things up for, for Lent, right? Ash Wednesday, we had a great service. It's a good practice of surrendering, letting things go, but, but even more than that, even more than that, is there something bigger that we need to surrender this morning and in this season? Something that's keeping us back from living for God to our fullest potential. Is there anything, church? What do we need to surrender? When we encounter God and we do surrender, right, we take off our sandals, we will find exactly what Moses found, a God who loves us and hasn't given up on us. And he's a God Right, when we're talking about sandals and stuff, he's a God who washes the disciples' feet in the upper room with all power and all authority right before he goes to the cross. What does he do? He washes the disciples' feet, exemplifying servanthood and surrender. And then he goes to the cross, which is the ultimate example of surrendering. So we must surrender in the wilderness. In this season, church, can we surrender? Point number three is God's reminder. Verse 11, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. Moses encounters God and God gives him an awesome and massive assignment. Go get my people. Tell Pharaoh it's over. I'm getting my people out of Egypt. Moses immediately gives reasons why he can't. Who, who am I to go tell Pharaoh this? Who, who am I? And God says, I'll be with you. And we didn't read all these, but Moses continues to give excuses. What if they don't believe me? I'll be with you, Moses. I'll be with you. What, what if they don't listen, Moses? I'll be with you. God, I can't speak re really well. Right? I, I, I mess up my words. I'll be with you. I'll be with you. Go, Moses. God's presence changes everything. We're after an encounter in the wilderness, and as we surrender and realize we need God's presence to transform us. We aren't ready. We don't feel worthy. But God is with us, and he reminds us that it's possible with him. And that's what he reminds 
Moses. I'll be with you. I'm with you. God with us. This is a prominent part of scripture. God is not a God who is far off or aloof, a distant God. He is close. He's present with us. He's near. We see it all over the Old Testament. We see it with Moses, right? We see it in the New Testament. Of course, Jesus is the greatest example, Emmanuel, God with us. So we continually go back to that, this idea, God is with us. So he says to Moses, Moses, I'll be with you. In church, we can't forget this. this. This Maybe we've heard it a million times, but it's an essential truth that we must live by. God is with us. He's with you. Wherever we go, no matter where you're at, in your wilderness, in your struggle, in your sickness, in your loneliness, in your grief, in your doubts, in your loss, in your questions, in your sin, God is with you. He's with us. And I want to remind you of that today. God is with us and he wants to transform us. We're on holy ground. Bob Goff tells a story in his book, Everybody Always, about how his son Adam loves to skydive. Um, so Bob would take him to the airplane and drop him off and cheer on his 20-something-year-old son as he jumped out of the plane. Um, and one day Bob thought about how he wanted to skydive with his son, and he would surprise him, so he spent some weeks taking skydiving lessons. I'll read the rest of the story so you can get the full thing. This is Bob Goff speaking. When I dropped Adam off the following week, he got out of the car, put on his parachute, buckled his straps, and got into the airplane. It was time for my big reveal, so I got out of the car, threw a parachute over my shoulders, buckled the straps, and got into the plane too. Adam did a double take as I sat down next to him. Dad, what are you doing? Adam asked in disbelief. How hard could it be? I shot back with a wink as I adjusted my helmet. The plane started its engines and we rolled down the runway. When Adam and I were a few miles up in the air, the plane engine slowed a bit. The pilot turned on the green light to let us know that we were over the field and we moved to the door. There are plenty of things to do to get ready to skydive, like pack your parachute, make a will, say goodbye to loved ones. <laughs> but once you get to the door to jump, there are only three things to remember, up, down, and out. That's it. You practice this on the ground several times before you get in the plane. You rock up on your toes to let the people around you know you're about to go. You crouch down like you're about to jump, and then it's right out the door. You exit the plane into a 100-mile-an-hour wind and immediately disappear from view. When Adam got to the door, he yelled, See you on the ground! He rocked up and down and jumped out. Not surprisingly, Adam did a backflip as he jumped out the door and disappeared from view. I'm not really sure what came over me in that moment, but there was a massive jolt of adrenaline and an overwhelming desire to be with Adam in the air as he fell. I sprang to the door, blew off all the up, down, and out stuff, and threw myself out the plane with everything I had. I jumped so hard, I jumped right out of my tennis shoes. No joke, try doing that sometime. It's not easy, but it's what it looks like to want to be with someone so bad. I was free-falling in my socks and laughed when I realized what I'd done. After a long minute of free-falling, I reached behind me and pulled on the hacky sack. The parachute came out, and I landed in a field near Adam. He pretended he didn't know me as I walked in my socks over to the airplane after I landed to get my tennis shoes back. Bob says this, I know a little bit more about what it feels like to be a father who wants to be with his kids. 
Jesus did something a lot like what I did with Adam. He jumped out of heaven to be with us. I've been watching Adam his whole life, and I know a lot about Adam, and he knows quite a bit about me. Still, there's a big difference between knowing what someone's doing and being with them while they do it. God knew we'd know the difference too. This has been the easiest way for me to understand one reason that God sent Jesus to us. He wasn't sent because God was mad at us. He jumped out of heaven and came as Emmanuel because he wanted to be God with us. I love that story so much. Um, and it's crazy, Bob jumped out of his shoes. <laughs> I'm always like, how, how hard would that be? It's crazy. Um, but God is with us, and God reminds Moses, hey, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. And church, we were reminded of that this morning. In the wilderness, in the struggles, in the searching, in the good, the bad, the ugly, God is with us, and he wants to transform us, and so we want to encounter him. Uh, I want to invite the band. You guys can come on up. The church has had a practice ever since Jesus modeled it in the upper room that we participate with every so often. That reminds us that God is near. Jesus is here and he'll always be with us. And it's a way we encounter him. So as we take communion today, I'm praying it can be a means of grace for us and be a reminder that God is with us. So you can... Start to open those little guys up. And yes, we have the new ones. Check that out. <laughs> kind of fancy, I know. Ready? On the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, gave thanks broke the bread and gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Church, take and eat. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks and gave it to his disciples and said, drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of my covenant which is poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Church, take and drink. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for that reminder. As we take the little juice and the little cracker, we're reminded you are here with us. Just like you reminded Moses, I'll be with you. So God, can we surrender our past and our present and our future to you? As we think about wilderness, as we think about this season of life, as we journey to the cross and the resurrection, can we surrender? Can we lean into what you're doing and the greatest truth and promise that you give us is you're with us and you're empowering us to be your people wherever we go. And so God, empower your church to be your church as we go from this place today. Give the people in this room energy and encouragement and confidence to be your hands and feet in a broken world. The world needs you, Jesus. So we got to go. We love you, Jesus. Thank you so much for this time. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.
Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.montrosechurch.org. Have a great day.